Amen. You guys can be seated. Isn't God good? Isn't he just so good? Man. Have you guys been blessed this weekend yet? Three people? Yeah. Four people? Awesome. Um, tonight uh, is going to be a special night. Um, you guys got a couple more in you? I know we could probably end after this morning's, but you guys have a couple more in you? A couple more sessions? Okay, cool. Um, before we get started tonight, uh, I'm going to ask my friend Annie to come up. Um, come on up here. Everybody, give it up for Annie. So I'm going to have you stand up here so everybody can see you. Oh, I'm short. Yeah, because I, okay. Um, so Annie's a really close friend of mine and Kirsten's, and uh, I guess I'll just let you talk, but uh, she's got an amazing story, very near and dear to us, and uh, I don't know, I just thought you guys would be blessed to hear it, so go ahead. Um, so I'll just start off, I guess, with the straight up right away. Uh, for the first 21 years of my life, I was an atheist, and I'm 21 years old right now. Um, <laughs> and I was, I was a pretty good atheist. I could, I could quote Karl Marx any day of the week, uh, religion, just the opium of the masses, um, how crazy just imaginary friends you guys have here, um, just how warped your reality is to be just loving this imaginary man who sits on the clouds. Couldn't even fathom the idea of a God, especially one who loves people, was just something so, so foreign to me. Um, however, with that said, I went to a Catholic high school, and now I go to Marion University, and uh, just something's always like a magnet has pulled me to Christianity and pulled me to individual Christians. And come to find out that magnet's called Jesus, but, you know, didn't know that yet. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, and I even went as far as my sophomore year of college, I wrote a paper for a theology class on my opinion on God. And the last sentence read something along the lines of, like unicorns and mermaids, God is something we wish that existed, but sadly does not. That, that was my reality. That's, that's where I was. Um, and then I met Kessler um, that year. Yeah, yeah, Kessler. Kessler. And uh, <laughs> he invited me to come to the net. And again, with that magnet just pulling, I said, yeah, sure, whatever. And I went and... It was terrible. It was totally, he's so weird. Um, the music was so loud. People were like putting their hands in the air and like kneeling. And I was like, I don't want you guys, calm down, please, please. So I went like three or four times. And then I just told Kessler, I was like, this, this is dumb. I'm not going to do this anymore. Not having it. Just whatever. So this was, this was by winter at this point of my sophomore year. Spring comes and goes. Summer comes and goes. In November of last year, my buddy dies. A kid I ran cross country and track with, that I wrestled with, committed suicide. Totally didn't, never saw it coming. So after kind of talking to Kessler about it, the only person I want to talk to is Adam, that weird pastor guy at that weird place. I don't know why. <laughs> and I was so willing to just blame God. How could God have all this evil in the world? How could God let my friend do this? And Adam here was pretty quick to say, I mean, you're really nice at blaming God here, but you give him credit for anything? Well, no, no. 
And uh, he even took it a step further, and I told him, I've, I've tried Christianity. I've given it a, my all out, everything I have to do it. He's like, nah, you half-assed it. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't actually try. You might not use those words. You probably use that word. <laughs> and he, he challenged me that if I actually tried and actually gave my 100%, there's no way I wouldn't know Jesus. And I was like, well, I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show you. So he challenged me to read for 21 days a chapter of John, a chapter of John every day for the next 21 days to show up to the net to go to that weird place again, and to pray every day. Those were my three things, three things I had to do. And I was like, well, okay, yeah, whatever, whatever. So I did that, and for the last year then, too, Kessler just kind of took me under, my, under his wing. And when we think of needing to connect with atheists, I think when we talk about that mountaintop experience, that's what we all think about. It has to be at church with the perfect song and a sunset and everything just has to come together to talk to an atheist and get them to convert. Kessler and I have talked more about God while playing COD than probably anything else. While shooting video game guns at fake people or while we play a lot of ping pong, as you guys have probably now already seen. It's, it's these little things. It's getting coffee. It's eating lunch. It's, it's the little things and the love every day. Because until an atheist feels the love of another person, how is the invisible man in the sky, how are you supposed to feel that love? So uh, back to the story, though. I go read John. <laughs> I read John for 21 days. I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here. I don't know. Um, I read another book Kessler gave me about praying. So I never, when it's, you've never done it before, it doesn't make sense. I mean, just go sit down and talk to this invisible man is, is crazy. It's crazy. You have to think about it like you've never heard it before. So reading that book really, really helped on the, the steps to doing it. Because if you don't know, you don't know. I also read a book, um, When God Winks at You. And it's kind of like that Yogi Berra quote, um, it's too coincidental to be a coincidence. That's kind of how the book works, is those little things in life that you can just pass off as being a coincidence aren't. They're God talking to you. They're those little things that matter. Again, not everything's that mountaintop. Some things are just that, that whisper, that really really quiet things that you don't really pick up on. Um, and we've gotten, I've been trying to get good enough that even now Kessler and I almost talk through them, that God talks through us with these little winks, as we call them. Uh, so then come, come to this summer, the start of the summer, when I turned 21, I was still an atheist. It's not a fast process, I guess. <laughs> but I did a Bible study with Kirsten, and that was kind of the final tipping point, is actually sitting down and going chapter by chapter, reading the Bible with someone who really knows it and really lives it, to be able to then, in July, call myself a Christian for the very first time. Um, thank you. 
And then in December, I, I even got baptized. So w within a year, I thought I went from the weird guy on the cloud who couldn't possibly love me to not only him loving me enough, finding that out, but also loving him enough to do that. Um, but it all starts small. It all starts with somebody coming into my life willing to be patient enough, willing to take the time to do it. So the way I see it, everyone in this room is one of two people. You're either an Annie or you're a Kessler. And if you're an Annie, realize yours. No way you're too far gone. If I'm not too far gone, you're not too far gone. But you have to try. You have to open up your heart. You have to clear your mind of all the hypocrisy you've maybe seen in your life that has turned you away, and you have to actually try. And I'm being here is probably a real good start, though, for the Annies. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for the Kesslers in this room, I know that God is calling you and whispering the name of someone in your ear that you need to take under your wing. He wants you to be the middleman for other people. He wants you to be the one to find their heart too and to bring them along. And again, it doesn't have to be some huge, huge thing. Video games go a long way, guys. <laughs> they really, really do. And just do those little things because God wants you to, and that's that's what we're called here to do. But I guess guess to close, because you always have to end with closing. You have to. You have to. That's what I've learned at the Crazy Net Place. Um, whatever you are today, if you're an Annie or if you're a Kessler, just God wants you to move. He wants you to surrender. He's calling you to do something. And I challenge you tonight to take that first step. To, to begin, wherever you are individually, begin that process. That's good. You just hand that back there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Annie. Uh, that is awesome. Um, I wanted to share that with you guys, or I wanted her to share that with you, because I think sometimes you need to see that this Jesus thing still works. You know, like, because we go to church, and we go to small group, or we do this, and we do that, and it's just like... Is anybody getting saved? You know, like, I haven't led anybody to Christ. Are you leading anybody to Christ? You know, but I, I just thought it would be good for you to, to see that. So I hope that you were blessed by that. Thanks for having the courage. You even had the preacher hands going. Did you see that? That charismatic side's coming out, but we won't talk about that tonight. Um, um, so I want to start tonight by sharing a story with you, and then we're going to dive into uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 30. Are you guys good to hold with me for about 30 minutes? Okay, you guys good? Okay. Okay, so go to Isaiah 30. It's, it's midway through the Bible. Can you guys see the words? Is there any way to get a little bit more light, a little bit more light at all? Or a sight, like, just so these guys can get some, I want to be able to see the word. Can you guys, can, can anybody? Like the full sides? Does that help? Okay, so we're going to look at Isaiah uh, chapter 30, and we're going to go through that. Uh, so go ahead and, and keep turning there. But as you're turning there, I'm going to share a story with you um, that hopefully applies. Um, when I was in uh, fifth grade, uh, I rode a bus uh, home with one of my friends named Chris. And uh, Chris and I, he was the type, like, 
I don't know how to say this, but Chris was like really into Power Rangers at the time. And, okay, you're going to hate me for the next statement then. Uh, <laughs> like, where I went to school, kids that really like Power Rangers weren't really the kids that you hung out with. And so, I know. So Chris was like, Chris was like one of my secret friends, okay? Like, we lived in the same, I know I'm a terrible person, but it's all BC, before Christ. And, uh, and so uh, we, we, we lived in the same apartment complex together, and we would play together, and, uh, you know, we would sit apart on the bus. I'd be like, Chris, don't talk to me at school. And at home, I'd be like, hey, Chris, you want to hang out? You know, that's a whole other sermon for another time. And uh, so I remember this one day, though, like, so we would get dropped off at the, uh, on this, by this athletic field, this big athletic field, There's, you know, baseball fields, soccer fields, and we had to cross this big field to get to our apartment complex. And uh, we did this every day, for, you know. And so one day we're walking, Chris and I are just blah, 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 blah. And we got to this gate that we had to walk through to get to, to, to our apartment complex. And this day there was like uh, five or six seventh graders just standing there. Like when you're in fifth grade, a seventh grader looks huge, right? And uh, so I remember Chris and I were just like, oh my gosh, let's just not look at him. Let's go through the gate. And so uh, we walked through the gate, and the kids, like, grabbed us and threw us against the fence. And I was like, this is not going to be good. I'm about to get my butt whooped. And uh, so I remember they were talking to us, and they were like, we're going to beat you up. And, and we were just, like, breaking down, like, what is happening? What is happening? And I remember a few of the, the guys knew my sister, and they were kind of scared of my sister. And so they are like, Adam's cool. Let's just let him go, but we're going we're gonna to keep this kid because he's a nerd or whatever. And so, like... Me being his friend, what should I, what, what do you think I did? I stayed there and I fought for him. No, I didn't. I chickened out. So what I did was, so they like said, get out of here, Adam. We're going to keep Chris. And I was just like, all right, see ya. And so like I took off. I have changed. <laughs> and uh, so I remember walking. There's like five or six of them. I remember, I remember walking and I turned and I looked. And they had Chris against a fence, and they had stones, and they were pelting him with rocks. And I felt, and I just remember breaking down, bawling my eyes out, just because I had abandoned my friend. Like, he was standing there, getting beat up, and I abandoned him. I just left him there. Like, he was getting beat up terribly. And I, I ran home and told my mom, and the, by the time she came back out, Chris was already home, and it was, it was over. And I just remember feeling so terrible that I abandoned my friend. Like, he was getting beat up badly, and I abandoned him. And I tell you that story because the Israelites are kind of in the same situation right now in Isaiah chapter 30. The Israelites are getting beat up badly by the Assyrians, like terribly beat up by the Assyrians. And so what the Israelites do, instead of calling on God, to come help them out, they call out to the Egyptians, who are anti-God. They're people that they're not supposed to be jointed together with, yet they call out to the Egyptians. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story in Isaiah uh, chapter 30, verses 1 through uh, 5. Uh, this is God, this is Isaiah speaking, uh, uh, prophesying uh, the word that the Lord gave to him. He says, woe to the obstinate uh, obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance 
but not by my spirit. Heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in Zoan, they, their envoys have and their envoys have arrived in Hanes. Everyone will be put to shame because of a people useless to them, who bring neither help nor advantage, but only shame and disgrace. And so God is upset here because God is supposed to be the defender of his people. He's supposed to be the first one that they turn to first, but they turn to Egypt. And what's really interesting in this is if, if you know any history with the Israelites, Egypt um, uh, kept them captives as slaves for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. So what's really interesting, and I need you to track with me, I'm going to try to slow down tonight and not be my fast-paced self. I'm going to try to slow down so you can really catch this tonight. But Egypt also represents a former way of life for the Israelites. Egypt represents a former way of life for the Israelites. You see, the Israelites used to be enslaved by the Egyptians, and then this guy named Moses came there. And you guys seen uh, the Prince of Egypt movie? Like that, that really happened. Like that's, a, that's Moses, that's a real story. Uh, that's really in the Bible. Uh, so Moses came, and God delivered his people from Egypt, and they wandered around in the desert for 40 years, and a lot of the Israelites started to complain about, hey, let's just go back to Egypt. Instead of walking around in the desert, I'd rather go back to Egypt. You see, they would rather go back to being slaves. They would rather go back to a world that they knew and was known rather than going to a place that was unknown and trusting God and relying on God, even if that meant slavery. Buckle your seatbelts. So now we see the Israelites are going back, going back to the Egyptians for help. When God delivered them from Egypt, they weren't supposed to go back to Egypt. Okay. God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, never to go back again. And so here they are now in trouble from the Assyrians because they're kicking their butt. Like Chris got beat up. Sorry, Chris. And who do they go to first? They go to the Egyptians. They go back to a former way of life. They go back to an old life. Sometimes old habits die hard. A lot of times... I think we can do the same thing as the Israelites. When, when times get harder, when they get messy, or if, if, if things are gray and we feel lost, we go back to the old way of life instead of trusting that Jesus is going to come through for us. So instead of trusting that he's going to come through for us, we turn back to the things that we know, even if it was something that kept us in bondage or in slavery. Old habits die hard. And friends... There's some of us in this room tonight who have a strange relationship with Jesus because you think he has not come through for you. I have had a heavy heart about that sentence for two months. But I truly believe tonight in this room 
that there are people in this room tonight who have a strained relationship with their Lord and Savior because you don't think he came through for you. And let me just declare to you tonight, the thing that you think he fell through on was not his absence from your life, but rather his protection. The thing that you think he fell through on was not his absence from your life, but it was his protection. And I don't know who of you that is for, but I've been praying for you for months. And I would urge you, compel you to come back and believe that it was his protection, not his absence from your life. And so we do this. When times get tough, when times get hard, we run back to the old way of life. And that might look like, you know, it might look like, uh, I hate doing this all the time, but it might look like a relationship because we do that, right? It might look like a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's like, I was talking to Jess when I was me, Jason and Jess were talking, and she was talking about the guys that she, you know, like, just go back to the old ways of life. I tried this Jesus thing, but you know what? It's not really working out. It's kind of getting hard. I'm just going to go back to bouncing from girl to girl to girl to girl to girl to guy, guy, guy. So we go back to old relationships that are terrible for us. Or maybe we go back to old habits. Maybe we go back to old habits. You know, it's like I tried quit. Uh, I tried to quit smoking weed, and I, smoked, I stopped smoking weed for a little while, and then it was just like, you know what, I'm going to go back and smoke weed because I felt better. I tried Jesus for a month, and it, and it didn't work, so I'm going to go back to this. For some of us, maybe it's just an attitude, you know, like, oh, man, I'm like the biggest pessimist you would ever meet. You would never know that, but, like, I'm a huge, well, maybe you would, I don't know. Like, and so I'm, like, I'm declaring that 2018 is going to be the year of positivity, and, like, thank you, there's two of us. And uh, uh, I read in this book I'm reading. I'm just going to talk tonight. Is that cool? All right. So I'm reading this book called Abba's Child. And uh, if you're not reading it, you should because it's amazing. It's changing my life. And uh, so in the book, it just talks about how, like, pessimism and defeatism is not a, uh, a fruit of someone who follows Jesus. And I was like, Pfft. okay, this is year of positivity, 2018. I'm going to be positive. But when things get hard, you know. Like something happens or Chris and I are fighting or something happens at work. I get overlooked for something. I go straight back to, Ugh. I like to go back to my old way of life. Maybe for some of you when things get hard or things get difficult, you just say, I'm going to bear down. I'm going to clench my fist. I'm going to do this. I'm out. Maybe you're here tonight and, and the old way of life for you looks like trying things on your own strength. Like I said, you know, maybe you're at a, thing, maybe you're at, I don't know, something last year, and you're like, you know, I'm going to give this Jesus thing a try. I'm going to just let go and let God, whatever that means. I haven't figured it out yet. But let go and let God. And then it's like, yep, didn't work. I'm going to just start trying on my own strength. Can I ask you a question? Write this down. Are you in a time of life that you feel stuck or uncertain? Are you in a time of life that you feel stuck or uncertain? And are you running back to the old you? What is that song by Dre? He's like, y'all going to turn me back into the old me? You people forgot about Dre. You know that song? Let's act like we've never heard that before. Maybe Dre's like a long time ago. But in the song, Dre was talking about y'all going to turn me back into the old me. Man, I've said that a lot of times. Sometimes I feel like I'm one step away from going back to the old me. Like one bad, relation, like one bad thing, and I feel like I'm that close. 
So are, are you tempted to run back to the old you? Are you tempted to run back to the old you? You need to write this down too. When Jesus saved you, he did it in a way that you could only find rescue in and through him. When he saved you, when Jesus saved you, if, you're, if you know him in this room tonight, he saved you in a way that you could only find rescue in him. You are designed to not find rescue in anything else but him. So not a relationship, not a drug, not an addiction, not a Netflix show, nothing will give you rescue besides Jesus. Jesus didn't save you to let you down. He didn't save you to leave you alone. And here's the deal. Jesus knew that you were going to be, Jesus knew that you were not going to be just a one-time rescue. You are saved in a moment. Saved in a moment. But he knew that you're going to be a little messy. He knew that I was going to be a little messy. He knew that we were going to need daily rescue. And each day, Jesus, I don't know if he wakes up or not. I'll talk to him when I get there. But each day, he puts on his lifeguard outfit and gets ready to, to, to rescue you from whatever situation that you might go through. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Isaiah uh, 30, verses 10 through 11. So Isaiah uh, knows about these plans that the Israelites are going to go to Egypt for protection from the Assyrians. And so he says, don't do that because that's not what, that, that's not what you're supposed to do, okay? Like, I, I am the prophet of God, and this is what God is saying. You're going to find destruction if you go to the Egyptians instead of me. And this is what the Israelites say back to Isaiah, or say back to God. Verse 10, it says, They say to the seers, See no more visions. And to the prophets, Give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path. And stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. So what they just said to Isaiah was, is shut it. We don't want to hear what you have to say about this God's rescue. We're going to the Egyptians. See, a lot of times when I disobey God or when you disobey God, the last thing we want to hear is what God says is right. When we're in a lifestyle that is contrary to what God, what God would have for you, the last thing we want to hear is a preacher or someone, your friend, say, hey, you know, you should, man, so I know you, a lot of you have been in that, the situation where it's like, hey, uh, this might not be the right thing for you, you know, I'm not sure. And you're like, no, 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 don't want to hear it. And that's where the Israelites were in this moment. You know, Kirsten and I uh, have never fought in our life, which is an amazing miracle. Um, no. So you, you remember, when I, <laughs> remember when I talked about that old life? That old life can come up sometimes in marriage. And uh, there's times where I'm just going to call you out, but it's a good thing, I think. Whatever, I didn't talk to you about it. Um, but there's times where, like, the old life will come out, and maybe some words will start coming out of me, and some actions will come out of me. You know, one time I smashed a guitar when we were fighting. Isn't that terrible? Just being true, just being real. That's just being real. The old me came out, and Kirsten said to me, that's real nice, Pastor Adam. Cuts like a knife. But it cuts like a knife because it's true. 
she knows, she knows that I'm called to more than that. She knows that that's the old way. That's real nice, Pastor Adam. We don't want to hear the truth when we're living in the old way. And that's where the Israelites were in this moment. Sometimes we avoid people because they tell us the truth. Sometimes we avoid church. We avoid whoever because we don't want to hear the truth. And that's exactly where Israel is at in this moment. And so God says, all right, you don't want to listen to me? You don't want to listen to me? Well, this is what's going to happen. So Isaiah 30, verse 13 through 14, God says through the prophet Isaiah, this sin will become for you like a high wall cracked and bulging that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break in pieces like pottery shattered so mercilessly, uh, mercilessly, that's a hard word, that among its pieces not a fragment will be found for taking coals from an earth or scooping water out of a cistern. God says, you want to follow your plans? That's okay. That's fine. You follow your plans, but they're going to break like glass. Your plans are going to break like a piece of pottery. It's going to fall apart. You see, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. He has a way, he has a purpose for your life. And when we don't follow his purposes for, for our life, it, it can fall apart sometimes. I have this nasty habit. My, my wife has this nasty habit of going to Ikea and buying stuff. And I have this nasty habit of thinking I can build Ikea stuff without directions. <laughs> and has anybody else done this before? Like, I just can't do it, you know. And, but I have this habit of thinking I can do this. I can, I can do this without this plan. But I can't. And friends, we can't do this life without his plan for our life. And so God says, your plans are going to fall apart. But God says, through the prophet in Isaiah 30, 15, he says, I, this is the plan I have for you. This is, this is a purpose I have for your life. Just follow, he says in, in 15, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest... Everybody say rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of that. God says this is your equation for salvation. And so maybe you're here tonight and you're hearing about Egypt and you're hearing about Assyria and maybe your eyes are starting to gloss over. But let me put this in present day perspective, okay? I need you to buckle in and listen for this second. What if Assyria represented the world today and Egypt represents the things we rely on to survive and thrive in this world. Then relying on Egypt would be like finding strength in things like financial security or career significance or pleasure or trusting things to save us. Because that's really the correlation here. You see, we are the Israelites and everything else that we trust that's not God is like Egypt. And so God's equation for salvation is this. He says repentance plus rest equals salvation. God tells us that salvation comes from two things, repentance and rest. Repentance means to turn and, and turn from your sin and turn back to God. And this makes sense, but, but what about the second thing? 
the rest part. How, how does the rest part fit in with salvation? Because I feel like this goes against everything that, that, that we think about Christianity. Usually we would find the equation this way. Uh, we think it's my talent plus my effort equals salvation. A lot of us are living our lives in a way that says my effort, my talents equals salvation. But God says it's repentance plus rest equals salvation. And this sounds so good, but honestly, it is so hard. Like, like Jess said this morning, if we got this, we wouldn't be here tonight. This is so, so hard. Pastor Tim Keller, in his book, uh, uh, Every Good Endeavor, says this, and I'm just going to read it to you. He says, all of us are haunted by the need to prove and save ourselves, to gain a sense of worth and identity. But if we can experience gospel rest in our hearts, if we can be free from the need to earn our salvation through our work, we'll have a deep reservoir of refreshment that continually rejuvenates us, restores our perspective, and renews our passion. A Christian is able to rest only because of God's redemptive work is likewise finished in Jesus. So let me ask you this question tonight, and you can write this down. What are you finding your salvation in? What are you finding your salvation in? When things get hard, when things get dark, when things get uh, uh, troubling, what do you find your salvation in? Do you find your salvation in your abilities? Things are tough at work, so I'm going to lean on my, my, my charisma and this and that to figure it out. Do you lean on your strengths? Do you lean on your relationships, where every relationship is really just a manipulation to get what I want so I feel better, and it's not authentic friendship? Do you lean on your education for your salvation? Do you lean on family? Do you lean on parents for your salvation? Do you lean on an addiction for your salvation? Like, yeah, I know Jesus, but when things get hard... I go back to popping pills. And this is one that people don't like to talk about because they think it's like, oh, it's healthy. But do you lean on working out for your salvation? Like, I, I, I'm just really frustrated, so I'm going to go run two miles. I would never do that, but <laughs> what are you finding your salvation in? Like the Israelites, they're getting beat up. And their salvation, they think, is going to come from the Egyptians, the old way of life. And God says, your salvation is in me alone. And so what are you finding your salvation in? Maybe you're here and you're not sure. Here's a way to help you understand where you find your salvation in, what you find your salvation in. When th okay. When things don't go the way you want, when I'm upset, when I'm depressed, when I have anxiety... What is the first thing I run to? If you really want to find out what you find your salvation in, uh, if you really want to find out what you find your salvation in, what is the first thing that you run to when you're stressed, when you have anxiety, when you have crippling fear? What is the first thing that you run to? Because, friends, that is what you think you find your salvation in, not Jesus. And like I said... Yesterday in Matthew 
11, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, because I'll give you rest. What are you finding your salvation in? Salvation is found in running to Jesus first. Like, you can do all the workout stuff, but go to Jesus first. What are you finding your salvation in? True salvation means turning back to God and resting in the finished work of Christ. Not relying on financial security, which can fail, career significance, or the pleasures of this world to save us or give you strength. And that's amazing news. Thank God that we don't have to rely on financial security or our own strength to be to, for salvation. Thank God that our salvation depends on a never-changing Savior. The second equation that we find in Isaiah is just as challenging. And God goes on and says, quietness plus uh, trust equals strength. Quietness plus trust equals strength. You're going to have to dial it up here for a second to really get this. Quietness plus, stru- plus trust equals strength. The Hebrew, this is so good. The Hebrew word for strength implies victory. The Hebrew word for strength implies victory. So the Lord tells them that strength and victory will come from two unlikely sources. Quietness and trust. You see, usually we equate victory with what? Hard work, tremendous effort, and unwavering commitment. Not that those are, you know, not a part of strength and victory and some other things. But in this case, in this battle that the the Israelites are facing, and the battles that you and I are facing, strength and victory will come through a quiet trust in his work and in his unwavering commitment to his people. I'm going to say that again. Victory will come through a quiet trust in his work and in his unwavering commitment to his people. So friends, the battle that you are facing right now, the spiritual battle, the whatever battle that you are facing will not be won by your might or by your strength, yet through a quiet trust in Jesus' strength, not your strength. The battle that you face will be won through quiet time with Jesus, where he will renew you through his word and through, his tr- and through the trust that he will fight on your behalf. Most of the battles that you face will be won on your knees. The battles that you face will be won in quietness and strength in who Jesus is. Instead of in your own strength. And I want you to write this down. Rest is an act of trust. Rest is an act of trust. To be able to stop... You have to have confidence that things will uh, still work out even if you stop. See, that's the thing. We think it's my strength. It's my strength. It's my strength. So I can't stop because it's on me. It's on me. And Jesus says, it's not on you. It's, it's on me. Because we really think we have control, right? We don't have any control. 
And so he says, in quietness and strength will be your victory. Trust in me. God says, trust me and trust my ways. And so how did the Jewish leaders respond to God? Isaiah uh, 30, 15, we find out, he, he says in repentance, in rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. You see, they rejected God's word. They rejected God's plan for their life. And, and the image that Isaiah gives, is them, uh, uh, gives them is that things are, uh, the things that they are relying on are going to break. I'm going to invite the band to come up. God says that your plans are going to shatter like glass. They're going to fall away. They're going to break away. And just like that, when we refuse to follow God's way and reject his rest, and we reject quietness and trust, we experience an incredible amount of pressure. We experience an unbelievable amount of stress, and we experience anxiety that will eventually cause us to collapse. I, I don't know if any of you have been like me, but I have collapsed because of stress and anxiety because I was trusting my strength and not his strength. And they say that this millennial generation is the most stressed out generation, most prescribed, anxiety-filled generation ever. And I wonder if it's because we are relying so much on our strength. We got we to gotta do this, we got to do this, we got to do this. So can I ask you just a couple questions? How will you respond to God's gracious invitation to repentance and rest and quietness and trust? Will you find God's salvation and strength? Do you trust God enough to rest? Like at the end of the day, do you trust God enough to rest? To say that, you know what, God, I'm going to lay my head on my pillow tonight in peace because I know that it's in your hands. You know, a lot of times I can get fired up when I preach and I like to get you, you know, hollering and all that stuff. But tonight it's just straight up, do you trust God enough to rest? Sometimes you just got to confront head on what's going on. Let me ask you another question. What are you finding your salvation in? What are you finding your salvation in tonight? What's the first thing that you run to when times get hard? When something doesn't go your way? What is the first thing that you run to? Uh, you should all have a clay pot. I want you to pick it up. If you did not get a clay pot, raise your hand and someone will run it to you and give, give you one. So, so does everybody have one? Yeah? Does everybody have a, like a marker? I don't have a marker, but it's fine. Have a marker? I don't have a marker. Yeah, let me take this real quick. Thanks. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Um, you should have a top. Don't take the top off yet. Um, so, Isaiah 30 says that your plans... You know, your strength, your plans, the things that you are developing, 
that are outside of me will break like glass. They'll, they'll break like shattered pottery. So for the next couple minutes, what I want you to do is I just want you to write on this, on this clay pot what you're finding your salvation in. Like what's that first thing that you run to when times get hard, when you get stressed, when you have anxiety? What is the first thing? I want you to write that down, and then we have some more things. So go ahead and do that right now. So I'm a really big symbol person, and uh, I don't know, just throughout scripture you see like the Israelites will, you know, if God, if there's a, a battle or a victory, they'll place some sort of like monument there to like remember, you know, that God showed up in this moment. And so that's, that's why I love this, this, this illustration. So you have what, you know, what you're finding your salvation in. Like those are your plans that God says will break like pottery. And so as they sing softly, I want you as a symbol to, to God, as a dedication to the Lord, like say, God, I'm giving you my plans I'm giving you my strengths. God, I am publicly declaring tonight that I'm giving up everything else that I run to first. I'm running to you first. I want to run to you first. You'll fail again. But I want to declare tonight on February 10th at 8.42 p.m. that I am choosing from this day forward, to start to run to you first for my salvation. Because maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you don't even know Jesus. You can, you can meet him tonight. Or maybe you're here, and you're saying, man, our, our relationship has been strained. And to be honest, I don't even remember what he looks like right now. We haven't talked in a long time. So as a symbol, as a declaration to the Lord saying, God, I'm giving my life back to you tonight. Whether for the first time or for the hundredth time, God, I'm giving my life back to you tonight. What I want you to do is take your clay pot, your pottery. These are my plans, and I'm just going to give them to you. And God, my plans are going to break, but you will never break. My salvation in you will never crumble. My salvation is only in Jesus. My salvation is only in Jesus. My salvation, it's only in Jesus. It's not in your plans. It's not in your strengths. 
It's only in Jesus. And so as they sing, as a declaration, when you're ready, if you want to do that, there's no pressure for you to do that. But come up here. We got hammers. I like throwing it. And uh, as a declaration, as a symbol, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my plans. I'm giving you my future. I'm giving you my all. I'm going to start turning to you first. Not to a guy, not to a girl, not to some workout plan, whatever. God, I'm turning to you first. They're going to sing. You do that as you feel led. And then I'll come back up.
I just, I just want you to realize uh, that what's happening now is a holy moment. Like this is a holy, holy moment where you're publicly declaring to God that God, my plans are nothing without you. And I don't know if any of you noticed, because there's a few left and you might want to come back. There's a large nail in the pottery that says only Jesus on it. So in the midst of this brokenness, the only salvation that you can find is only in Jesus. And so if you don't have your nail, I want you to pick up your nail because I want this to be a a reminder for you for, for the rest of your days that your salvation is found only in Jesus. This nail represents... This nail represents This nail represents a death that he died on a cross for you. And I just want you to hold on to this just to remember the price that he paid to be your salvation. May we never forget that. Someday we're going to get to spend eternity with him, but we're not there yet. And so we're still going to need saving and his salvation every single day. So it's my prayer to you tonight and for the rest of your nights until you get to see him face to face. That you'll always remember. Here you go. Yeah, that one. It's my prayer that for the rest of your days until you see Jesus face to face that you will always remember that your salvation is only found in Jesus. Only found in Jesus. Can we stand? We got to sing a song. We got to sing a song. I don't know even. I'm sorry. I'm the worst ever. I, I want to sing a song and then I'll just like, I'll come back up and dismiss us. But I, I just think we have to have a time of response. Okay.
So every time, so every time you want to run to something else, say, give me Jesus. Every time I want to run to something else, give me Jesus. Every time you're tempted to find salvation in something else, say, give me Jesus. Only in Jesus. When that guy keeps calling, say, only in Jesus do I find my salvation. When you're scared to leave the job, to go to the do the thing that God wants you to do, say, only in Jesus do I find my salvation. When you're laying in bed at night and you can't sleep because you're so stressed out because you don't know how it's going to work out tomorrow, even if it takes everything you have, you say, only in Jesus, only in Jesus is my salvation. Not by my strength, not by my power, but only by Jesus. This is not a game. This is the realest thing ever. This is all that matters. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for the life that he gives us. God, we thank you that we get to know him. What an amazing thing it is to know Jesus. God, we thank you that, that we get to be called children of God. God, we thank you that we have worth because we are your children. God, the worth of something is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. And you pay for us with your life. God, you are the only thing that matters. So God, help us to run to you in times that we have anxiety, in times that we have doubt, in, in, in times that we don't know what to do, God, help us not to run to the relationship, to the addiction, to the manipulated friendship or manipulated relationship. God, let us run straight to you first, because our salvation is only in Jesus. All of our plans break 
like shattered pottery. But you, Lord, last forever. And we declare you King and we declare you Lord and Savior over everyone here. God, if there's people in this room tonight who do not know you, God, I pray that you will move them to talk to their small group person tonight so they can meet you in person tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything that you're doing. God, let your work continue. God, let your work continue and not stop here tonight. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Go to your small group areas.